Are you a virtual assistant juggling all the things? You know, inquiries, contracts, payments. It can feel a little overwhelming at times trying to keep up with everything, right? Well, meet your new business BFF, insert HoneyBook. Think of HoneyBook as the upgrade your VA business didn't even know that it needed, taking you from beginner to polished and professional in no time. I've been using HoneyBook since day one of my business, and let me tell you, it's been a lifesaver for this busy mom. It's user-friendly, lets you automate workflows, and my favorite part is that it's completely customizable, so it'll look like it's native to your brand. I know what you're thinking. Do I really need a customer management platform? Well, spoiler alert, yes, you do. It's the secret ingredient that's given my VA business a 98% success rate of turning curious inquiries into solid bookings. Now, here's the deal. You can score an amazing 50% off right now if you use the link in the show notes. That's right. You heard that correctly. 50% off your entire subscription for any plan. And trust me when I say your business deserves the HoneyBook Upgrade. Have you ever wanted to take a peek inside somebody else's business? I know I have. Sometimes I look around and I'm curious as to the inner working parts of how other people run their business. You know me, I'm all about transparency, so I thought it would be fun to pull back the curtain on our very own virtual assistant agency here at the Virtual Assistant Studio. So in today's episode, we are going to dive into how I structured our business and more specifically, how I structure our team, why I decided to do that, and how I planned this out specifically to be able to grow and scale the business over time. All right, let's dive on in. Welcome to the Millennial Mom Movement, a podcast that's all about redefining what it means to be a working mom. I'm your host and business BFF, Amanda Rush Holmes. Each week, we dig deep and reverse engineer how to make money on your own terms. Get ready for inspiring insights, fun chats, and tangible tips to rewrite your success story. Let's dive on in. I am so excited about today's topic because one of the things that I always wonder is how other people run their business. A lot of times we can look on Instagram and kind of see a highlight reel of, oh my gosh, they're doing this big thing or they're collaborating with this person or, oh wow, they were mentioned in this media outlet. And all those things are really exciting, but I want to know the nitty gritty. I want to know how many people do you have on your team? How is your team structured? What systems do you have? What automations do you have in place? What does your profitability look like? How much are you paying for this? How much are you paying for that? I want to know the dirty details that nobody wants to talk about. That's why I love podcasting is because I get to share those dirty details with you guys. So if you've been wondering, okay, give me the good stuff, Amanda. I want to know how do you run your virtual assistant agency? What does that realistically look like from a structure perspective? That is what we're going to be diving into today. And I want to start off by saying, when I first started the business, I literally had no plan. And I am not lying when I say that. 
I was flying by the seat of my pants. And some days I still kind of feel like I'm that way. But I've learned that as the business has grown, I have to grow as a leader. And that requires a certain level of strategic thinking, specifically when it comes to team structure. And I know a lot of times this sounds boring because it kind of plays into the HR part of things. And we're like, oh, we don't want to sit here and plan out team structure and what things are going to look like. And who wants to make a hierarchy chart? Those things are not sexy. This is the type of strategic thinking that when done correctly allows you to set up system and elevate your client experience so that your business will become a well-oiled machine and you as the business owner can step into that CEO role that everybody talks about that's so coveted. But really what that means is you're stepping into a place of strategy and vision, less in the weeds, which allows you to then think more strategically and produce better results for yourself and for your clients in a shorter, more compressed time frame, which is what we all want, right? Money is great, but time is the ultimate currency. And so as much as I want to hit all of our revenue projections, I also want to make sure that it's not at the sacrifice of spending time with my kids or my husband or being able to just have a moment to myself. That all comes down to planning. And one of the things that I think I've done really well in the business, if I'm just going to pat myself on the back here for a second, is thinking about, okay, one, not only how do we set up the structure, but also two, how do we put the right people in the right places for that structure? Now, have I always gotten this right? Absolutely not. No, for sure not. There have been hires that I've made throughout my years of business that weren't the right fit. And, you know, I was on the phone with someone the other day and she said something that resonated with me. And I'm going to share it with you guys today because she's just such a wise human. And she said to me, you know, it's not that you hired the wrong person at the wrong time. We're talking about like a business scenario. If you made the best decision with the information that was given to you at that time, but now you have new information and new knowledge and you're now able to make an even better decision for your business at this place in time. And I found that to just be so true in so many different instances. So I want to encourage you, one, if you feel like, oh my gosh, my business isn't on the right track. The structure doesn't make sense. I'm feeling like this isn't right. We're not going in the right direction. Guess what? The beautiful thing about owning your own business is you get to change your mind. You get to test things out. You get to be the one that says, you know what? Nope, we need a course correct here. This isn't working for the business. Whatever that looks like, whether it's team structure or the team personnel, whether that's a product or service that you're offering, whether that's a SOP that you have in place, that is the beautiful thing about owning your own business. And the only person that you have to report to is yourself. So if you don't like something, change it. Know that as I walk through this today, this probably is going to look different in a year or two years down the road, and I'm okay with that, but this is what's working right now for us, so I thought I would share. Okay, so when we're thinking about our team structure, initially when I first started hiring in the business, I started with a part-time contractor, and I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast. This was a perfect fit for me and this place that I was in in my business because the ultimate goal was to be able to offload some of the client work to somebody else so that I could buy a little bit of my time back, but so that I could also serve more clients. And check, mission accomplished. That's exactly what I did and what that person's role fulfilled. Now, once I realized, okay, that's amazing. This person was kind of a generalist. They help with a lot of different things. I also realized how important it was to have people that were highly skilled in specific areas. 
So my next hire was actually a copywriter. And the reason I chose copywriter at the time was because we were producing a lot of copy, a lot of email, a lot of social media captions, a lot of blog posts. And now we're even doing things like podcast scripts and real scripts and YouTube video scripts. And so that's transformed over time. But at the same time, that role has still stayed the same and has been vital in our business. Now we have multiple different copywriters, but at the time it was just the one. And then I realized as we continued to grow, gosh, you know what? I feel like I really need somebody in graphics, somebody that can just pump out graphics all day long, does a beautiful job at it. And that's the one thing that they're focusing on. So that was our third hire. So we had kind of a generalist, we had a copywriter, and then we have a graphics person. Eventually, it got to the point where I was managing both the client work and the CEO duties and all the accounts. And it quickly dawned on me that, okay, we need people who can own an entire account, who can build a connection with a client, serve them extremely well, and really know the ins and outs of that individual account so that they can then delegate to the team. That is kind of where our entire structure was birthed. What we decided to implement was account managers. And essentially what this looks like is the account manager oversees a client's account directly, meaning they may be working on some step inside of the account, but they're also communicating with the client. They're making sure that things are getting done. They own all the details. So for instance, if one of our clients is an influencer, they're going to know everything about that influencer. They're going to know her kids' names, her husband's names, her favorite place to shop, what jeans she wears, what size she wears, what fit she gets. Does she like the dark wash or the light wash? Does she like non-distressed or distressed? These are like the level of details that an account manager will own inside of the virtual assistant studio. And the reason that this works really well is because having somebody in charge of those details allows us to create a really high touch point service. And then that account manager delegates to the team of fulfillment, which are things like copywriting, graphic design, podcast editing, video editing, things like that, that are a little bit more skill oriented. Now, even within those skill oriented roles, we still limit the number of accounts that they work on. For instance, if we have myself at the top, if you can envision almost like a triangle, then underneath me, we have account managers. And then underneath the account managers, we have what I call fulfillment, which are specialty skills, like the things I mentioned. And so those specialty skilled people, whether they're a copywriter, graphic designer, video editor, whatever, those people will be limited to the number of accounts that they are over to ensure that they are able to observe that level of detail, maybe not to the extent of the account manager, but pretty close. And the reason that we do that is because if somebody is bouncing from an account to account, their content is going to be all over the place. And one of the things that's really important is creating a level of consistency so that when our clients are producing content, their content is consistent that's going out to their audience. The tone of voice isn't changing. The graphics aren't changing because everybody kind of has like a different thumbprint when it comes to content creation. Now, we try to get that thumbprint close to identical as our clients as possible, but sometimes we also have creative ownership over the client's account. So therefore, we need to come up with what that thumbprint is and then replicate it across the board. Hopefully, you guys are following this and hopefully this all makes sense. I also want to mention too that in between myself and the account managers is 
what we call a director of operations. So if we're thinking about that triangle, we've got me at the top, we've got the director of operations, and then we have all the account managers that report to the director of operations. The account managers are specialized in different types of accounts. So one account manager might be over all influencer accounts. Another account manager of ours is over all entrepreneur small business account. And another account manager is over all podcast accounts. And the reason that we split it up into these three categories is these are kind of like our main niches within the virtual assistant studio that we cater to. And then they all report to the director of operations. And the director of operations almost acts as a gatekeeper to me. And this sounds a little dramatic, not that I need to be gatekept from my own team. That's definitely not it. It's so that the small things can be solved internally without going to me for every question so that I can dedicate the time that's being saved from answering all those little questions that the director of operation can answer and focus on growing the business and doing tasks that only I can do. For instance, recording this podcast. Only I can be the one to step up to the mic and record this podcast. Nobody else can duplicate me as a person. By having somebody like a director of operations, some people also call this an integrator or an OBM, which stands for an online business manager. It's all the same thing. They do the same role, same outcome, different titles. Doesn't really matter what the title is. You can give anybody a fancy title. It really more so matters what role they're playing inside of the business. And so that's been extremely helpful for me and making sure that one, I'm protecting my peace. Two, I have some healthy work-life balance, which is important for not just myself, but everybody on my team. And also that we can continue to create a sustainable business that is able to serve our clients really well. So our structure is almost like a pyramid and that's exactly how I think of it. And it works really well. One of the things that we've done is we've promoted everybody from within the company. Everybody has started at the bottom, meaning they were in fulfillment at some point working on client work before they moved into a leadership position. And I absolutely love this model for different reasons, but mostly because it really allows somebody to understand the inner workings of the business so that they can then come from a leadership perspective and coach and train the people below them to one, understand the expectations of the business, but also to mold into our clients and internal team culture, which is extremely important to me. Our values consist of being kind and positive and solution-oriented and service-based and rooting all of that into creativity for our clients. Some of that can be taught, but some of it can't. And so this kind of helps groom people as they move up and into leadership positions to then overflow that into the people below them. Now, I think I mentioned this on a few episodes back, but we actually just launched an internship program. We partnered with the university that I graduated from here in Georgia, and we have six interns that started in August of 2023. And so they'll be with us for the entire semester, which we're very excited about. And then we'll launch another intern program again in January. We'll likely keep some of our existing interns on and then bring on some new interns as well. And this has been so fun. So the way that we decided to launch the intern program is we divided up the interns into those three different buckets of the business. So we've 
we've got interns for the podcast side of things. We've got interns for the influencer clients. And then we have interns for the online business entrepreneur type clients. So three different departments of the business are where we divided up the interns. So we've got two, two, and two. So two interns supporting each department. And they have been internally paired with employees who work for the VA studio who have been with us for a minute, who really understand the inner workings. Kind of like a big sister program, honestly. And so they have like an internal mentor that they can go to and they do check-ins with. And of course, you know, myself and the leadership team are mentoring them as well. But this kind of gives them like a person on the inside to feel comfortable asking questions or if they need extra help or if they have ideas or whatever that looks like. So, so far so good. It's been really fun seeing just them kind of be introduced into our world. It brings me back to and I had a couple of different internships when I was in college, but one of the internships that I had was with a public relations firm in Atlanta. And I remember I loved dressing up in my cute little business casual outfits and going into the office and sitting at my desk, which is so funny now that I work from home and I'm literally in my pajamas at one o'clock in the afternoon right now because I have yet to take a shower for my workout this morning. Times changed, but it definitely brings me back And I think it's really cool to be able to offer a remote internship, especially for busy students. So this kind of fits into their life and also gives them a peek into what the modern working opportunities are in 2023 and beyond, which I think is really cool. The idea of a remote internship definitely did not exist when I was in college, not to be like I'm a dinosaur because I'm not that old, but still it wasn't that long ago. And so I think it's really cool to introduce them into the creator economy and give them a peek behind the curtain of what opportunities are out there. So we'll definitely be doing the internship program again and continuing that. And I'm excited to see it evolve and how we can evolve our systems and processes to best support them. And then, of course, the hope is obviously that we'll find some golden nuggets in our interns and they'll be able to come on board with the VA studio, which would be amazing. That is how we structured our team. And the best advice that I can give you is to think about one, how can you hire from the bottom up? You do not need a director of operations as your first hire out of the gate. Honestly, I want you to think about your structure as a whole in the sense of visionary five years from now, where do you want your business to be? How would you structure your team for that? But where would you start today in order to get there in five years? As you can see by my journey, I didn't even have a director of operations OBM integrator on my radar until eight, nine months ago. That was when we first hired for that role. And even then, we hired a little bit prematurely, knowing that we would grow into that role. Another thing is we didn't implement account managers until we had enough volume to actually need account managers. And that wasn't until two years into the business, maybe even longer than that. But as you can see, we grew into the positions that we needed. The biggest indicator that it's time to hire for a position is that there's tension internally. That probably means that it's too late. But if you can look at the numbers and create some realistic projection, and then of course you'll have your stretch goals that are like dream worthy. I would love to be making X amount of revenue in my business. 
But realistically, I think I can onboard X amount of clients within this amount of time frame, and that's going to bring in this amount of revenue. And looking at the capacity of either myself or my assistant or maybe my one or two team members, that means that I'm going to need to hire this type of person and being really strategic about who it is that you hire, why you hire them, and how to find the right person for that role is going to be vital to your success. I have a whole episode about how to hire and how to know it's the right person. I'll put the link in the show notes for you, but definitely go back and listen to it if you're in a season of like, okay, I love this idea of structuring things. I want to come up with a team structure that makes sense for my business, but I don't exactly know what that is and I don't know how to hire for that role. Go back and listen to that episode because it's going to be extremely beneficial for you, whether you're just hiring your first virtual assistant or subcontractor or you're on like your 10th team member. It's hard. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't have to be stressful. It's just a matter of taking your time with the decision and putting the work in on the front end, thinking through things like job descriptions, thinking through things like what is my actual budget and what can I afford? Thinking through things like where is the business going to be now, but where is it going to be in three months and five months from now? And what does that look like realistically and planning for those things ahead of time? Again, this stuff is not the most sexy, but honestly, I nerd out over this kind of stuff. I think it's so fun. I love being able to strategically think about okay, if I make this decision, if I invest in this person, if I structure the business this way, I'll actually see a return on my investment because our output will be more efficient. Our clients will be happier. There will be less hiccups inside internally and then externally with clients. And I can probably onboard more clients at a faster rate with a higher level of service because we'll be so internally streamlined. I encourage you to whip out a pen and paper, think about your hierarchy chart, your team structure, and make sure that it matches up with the needs of your business. What does your internal flow look like of communication? Do you have systems in place in order to support that? Who's reporting to who? What does that chain of communication look like? What happens if there's a question? What happens when you take a sick day and you have to turn off your phone? What happens then? Is the business going to run? Is it not going to run? Is there a contingency plan in place? That is what your structure supports. Your structure supports contingency plans. It supports what happens if this account manager is gone for a week because they're on vacation. What happens if this fulfillment person is out? Who does who report to? Who do I go to ask questions to? All of these things is what your team structure will allow for. And I like to think of it as a really big support system. Have you ever played that game when you were a kid, Red Rover, Red Rover? If you're standing there by yourself and somebody comes running full force, they're probably going to knock you down. But if there's 10 of you and you all link arms and then someone comes running at you guys full force, it just bounces right off of you, right? It's the same concept. You're essentially linking arms with everybody inside of your business to create this ironclad structure so that it will support even the strongest of wins. I hope that's encouragement today to sit down and do a little bit of strategic planning inside of your business. And if you're nowhere near this phase of your business, don't worry, I guarantee you will be. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I will see you all next week. Bye for now. You just finished another episode of the Millennial Mom Movement Podcast. And because I know you're a mover and shaker, here's your action item. Snap a screenshot of this episode, share it over on Instagram, and tag me at Amanda Rush Holmes. 
Each week, I'll pick one person and send you a Starbucks gift card on me as my way of saying, hey, thanks for hanging out with me on the regular and being a part of this incredible movement. See you next week.